Hey, you are currently listening to season three of the Learn to Co with Me podcast. I'm your host, Laurence Bradford, and this season I chat with a range of individuals who work in tech. Flyiron School's online web developer program focuses on community, actual development tools, and features a curriculum that will teach you the skills you need to land a career as a software engineer. Get $500 off your first month by visiting flatironbootcampprep.com. Looking for a coding bootcamp? Boston to Philadelphia-based Launch Academy has helped over 500 students launch coding careers since 2013 with curriculum that's updated every quarter based on hiring managers' feedback and lifetime post-grad support. Find out more at launchacademy.com. Hey, listeners. Welcome to the Learn to Code with Me podcast. I'm your host, Laurence Bradford. In today's episode, I talk with Anant Agarwal. Anant is a professor at MIT, as well as the founder and CEO of edX, an online learning platform founded by Harvard and MIT. In our conversation, we talk about how and why edX was started, some trends in online learning, Anant's advice for high schoolers wanting to pursue technical careers, and much, much more. If you want to find out how you can get access to super high-quality free courses from the world's best universities, this episode is for you. You can also go to learntocodewith.me forward slash edX to see which courses edX has to offer. Remember, you can get show notes for this episode plus more information about Anon at learntocodewith.me forward slash podcast. Enjoy. Hi, Anon. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Oh, thank you, Lawrence. My pleasure to be here. So really quick, could you introduce yourself to the audience? Sure. Uh, my name is uh, Anant Agarwal. I am the CEO and founder of edX and also a professor at MIT. Yes, I'm very excited to talk to you today about online learning, about your work at edX as well as MIT. But first, I want to backtrack a bit and ask you, what were you doing before you started edX? Well, before I started edX, um, I was a, uh, a professor at MIT. Um, I had a research group uh, doing research in uh, uh, chip design, uh, cloud computing, um, and also um, teaching courses on campus at MIT. Um, I also had uh, started a company called the Tylera Corporation, which had uh, built a, uh, a multi-core chip uh, that went into uh, you know multimedia devices and uh, and so on. Um, I was also the uh, director of the Computer Science and Artificial Intelligence Laboratory at uh, MIT. Uh, This was before uh, I and my colleagues uh, started edX. All right, got it. So you were already in education. You already were a professor at MIT. What led you and your colleagues to create edX then? I've been at MIT for, you know, 30 years and uh, uh, teaching for for, uh, uh, decades. And uh, one of the things that I was doing around uh, 2000 was, you know, playing around with how we could apply technology to uh, education. A student and I put together a website called WebSim uh, in order to uh, see if we could teach uh, a complicated subject like uh, circuits and electronics completely online. And the big challenge with that course was the labs. And so we built out, uh, this was 15, 16 years ago, we built out an online laboratory just to convince ourselves that if we could actually teach that subject online, and so uh, this website was, was available, and on the average day, we would have uh, 
uh, two or 300 people coming and taking our online circuits laboratories uh, as part of this experimental site. Uh, this was 15 years ago, well before the whole MOOC movement started. And then uh, MIT also had open courseware where MIT was making available uh, course materials uh, uh, on the web for people to download and uh, you know and view. Uh, and then came uh, 2011, where we decided at MIT to put uh, uh, content of MIT online and to make it available for people around the world for free, uh, to enable them to get a certificate, uh, to have discussion forums, to have grading, and to have real uh, online laboratories. And, and our experience with the online circuits lab gave us confidence that we could do online circuits. Um, that's when uh, MIT and Harvard got together and uh, decided to uh, found edX, and uh, uh, they were amazing. Uh, they uh, gave us a grant of uh, $60 million to launch edX, and uh, you know that's how we came to be about uh, five and a half years ago. Oh, wow, that's amazing. I that, that's, that's a really great backstory. I, I was not aware of all that, but thank you for elaborating. So you've been doing, or, or edX has been around since 2011, so six years. Correct. Awesome. So in the last six years, this may be a really heavy question, but uh, I would love free touch upon this. What trends have you seen in online learning, online education, and so forth? I think the single biggest thing uh, that I have seen is that online education uh, has earned a level of uh, new respect among leading universities. You know, I remember online learning has been around for decades, and uh, and in many respects, uh, it was uh, the province of uh, uh, for-profit institutions, and uh, it, you know it didn't have a great uh, you know great reputation uh, among uh, the many of the uh, leading universities. I think one of the biggest changes that have happened in the past uh, six years is that some of the leading universities in the world have gotten into it in a big way. Uh, if you look at uh, the latest world QS rankings of universities that have come out, uh, seven of the top 10 world QS ranked universities are now offering online courses on edX, including MIT, Harvard, Oxford, um, a number of other top institutions, uh, ETH uh, in uh, Switzerland, and so on, offering courses on edX. And now that these top universities have gotten into it and are seeing success, they're also adopting it on campus for campus use. Um, MIT just did a pilot where uh, a, a, a cohort of students on campus uh, took a uh, online edX course in circuits, which happened to be uh, a course that my colleagues and I teach, completely online for campus credit. And so I think the biggest change that I've seen is that online learning has got a new level of acceptance among the top universities. Um, I think the second big change that I've seen is that uh, the quality and integrity of online learning has gone up dramatically. That's the second one. Uh, you know, in the past, uh, online learning was commonly videos and multiple choice. But today's online learning uh, is not your grandfather's online learning. We have incredibly rich assessment types. There are all kinds of rich problem types. There's uh, simulation-based laboratories. We even have uh, adaptive learning and so on in recent times. And so the quality has gone up. 
A lot of mechanisms have been built in uh, to prevent cheating and so on, to maintain the integrity. So we have uh, a virtual proctoring solutions where you can use a computer's webcam to watch a student. And uh, it can be watched offline to see if a student actually did their own work. Uh, there's also companies developing software to analyze videos uh, online to to uh, to uh, you know make sure that the exams of high integrity. So I think we've seen a quantum improvement in the quality and integrity of online learning. I would say that second, and then the third big change that has happened is that credentials. Um, in the past, you had credentials like uh, bachelor's degrees and master's degrees, and and kind of that's about it. And then you had a lot of uh, professional courses. But today, we are seeing universities launch very valuable credentials, uh, completely online, uh, which are modular. And these are new age digital credentials. So, for example, on edX, uh, we have launched a, a new credential uh, called the MicroMasters. Uh, it is a modular credential. It can be completed in about uh, uh, you know, one quarter to one half of the time you would take to finish a full master's degree. Uh, it's very career focused, and it offers a pathway uh, to credit at the universities offering it. So, so, so we are seeing dramatic new, innovative credentials come out from the top universities. So, just as one example, we have a uh, the first MicroMasters on edX was pioneered by MIT in supply chain management. Uh, we similarly have MicroMasters today. We have close to 40 MicroMasters today from a number of universities. For example, you know, robotics from Penn. Um, artificial intelligence from Columbia. Uh, we have uh, user interface design and research from uh, Michigan and so on. Uh, so I think that would be the third big change, which is uh, revolutionary new uh, credentials uh, that are being introduced by some of the top universities in the world. All right, awesome. Thank you so much for elaborating on all that. It was such a, that was such great information. And um, I totally agree with how online learning, the first thing you mentioned, how it's earned this new level of respect over the last several years. And now pretty much, I feel like almost all, I mean, most, if not all universities have online programs. And that's really exciting to see. Uh, I have now a question more specific for edX. I was wondering with um, the courses that you choose to have on the edX platform, how do you make sure... And actually, let me backtrack for a second. You can correct me if I'm wrong, but the courses on edX are all kind of through university partnerships, correct? Um, we have uh, about 130 uh, world-class institutions. Uh, most of them are universities, but we also have others. Uh, we have corporations like uh, Microsoft and uh, and uh, foundations like the Linux Foundation. We also have uh, um, the World Bank and the uh, IMF, uh, Amnesty International. So we have a, a very uh, uh, you know high quality mix of institutions as our partners. All right, nice. Because I was going to ask, how are you making sure that the skills that are being taught are applicable to the modern workforce? So, uh, so you know, uh, so we offer learners education. Uh, the education is about improving people's lives. Uh, one big part of improving people's lives is to uh, launch or improve your career. And in order to do that, we have uh, a large number of programs on edX that are uh, skills-focused or career-focused. Uh, we also have a lot of programs that uh, are more, uh, you know, programs that uh, might be uh, enrichment programs and so on as well. Um, and the way we try to work towards creating career-focused programs is, uh, you know, first of all, 
there's a huge learner interest in doing that. And we communicate that to our partners. Learners are coming in large numbers to programs that have uh, career outcomes, particularly in fields that are um, extremely uh, popular among employers. So, for example, some of the most popular fields on edX include uh, coding and computer science, you know, uh, Laurence, something which uh, uh, you have been a, uh, a uh, very strong activist in yourself. Uh, data science is another strong area. Uh, business uh, is another. Um, so the number of fields that uh, are very popular from a student perspective. So that is one, popularity among students. Uh, the second is that uh, we have created a corporate advisory board at edX where uh, we have about 25 uh, leading corporations like uh, Microsoft and Boeing and IBM and Accenture and MasterCard that, that are part of our consortium uh, that work with edX and help us endorse uh, a lot of our programs. So each of our MicroMasters programs, for example, is endorsed by a corporation uh, in terms of the career outcome that it provides. Um, each MicroMasters program or each uh, professional certificate program, which is a second class of programs that we have, um, each of these programs are endorsed by a corporation. Uh, each program uh, clearly states its career outcome. And we work with our partners uh, who create these programs to make sure that there's a clear career outcome. And we also uh, work with corporations to endorse it and provide a testimonial towards that uh, career outcome. Uh, so these are some of the ways in which we uh, try to make it happen. All right, awesome. Thanks so much for filling in. I'm going to switch gears a bit now. Um, and I want to give you a bit of a scenario question. So, of course, you know a ton about technology and the trends working at MIT and also um, creating edX. Let's say there is someone listening to the show right now who is in high school and they're going to college next year and they're trying to figure out what to study. And they know they want to study something related to technology, but they're not sure what and they want to make sure that it is um, lucrative, like it's a, you know, a very in-demand field. Uh, what advice would you give to that person on what they should study? You know, at the high school level, um, I'm a big believer in having high schoolers get a broad-based education. Um, I have a daughter in high school who just graduated and will be going to college in a couple of months. And uh, I would give the high schoolers out there the same advice that uh, I give my daughter, uh, which is get a broad education, be curious, uh, learn how to learn. Uh, oh, and by the way, don't forget to learn some coding. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so I would say that... Uh, um, uh, you know, the basic subjects would be you know, learn humanities, learn, you know, which will help you with critical thinking and, and learn to, to write well and read well. Uh, learn math. Uh, math is just fantastic. L you know, do a lot of math. Uh, and of course, uh, uh, learn some coding, learn computational thinking. Uh, and we have a lot of courses on edX that can help you with this. Uh, we have, uh, if you go to edX and search for uh, high school, you'll see a lot of courses which are part of our high school program. We have uh, a significant number of high school AP courses uh, that you can, advanced placement courses that you can learn uh, and uh, take for free. So on the edX website, edX.org, uh, we have all of these courses where you can learn for free. Uh, virtually all of our courses are, are available to learn for free. Uh, you can uh, learn uh, you know, math courses. We have uh, uh, you know, algebra and geometry. Uh, at, at the at the uh, seventh or eighth grade levels, uh, you can take calculus, uh, pre-university calculus and math. There's a lot of courses in English. There's freshman English composition. There's uh, 
uh, writing and and similar courses from Berkeley. Uh, you can learn uh, various uh, other subjects. Uh, you can learn languages on edX. Uh, I would I would do a broad range of courses. And as I said earlier, and don't forget to learn how to code. Uh, we have a number of uh, fantastic introductory coding courses. Um, virtually all the uh, highly marketable fields where you have uh, a lot of employment available, employment opportunities available uh, relate to coding. And so uh, you can learn introduction to R programming on edX. There's a great R programming course from Microsoft. Um, there's one from Harvard. Um, uh, with data science, R is important. Uh, you should also uh, think about learning Python. You know, Python is, uh, uh, you know, in today's times, uh, you know, Python is sort of the lingua franca of the, uh, you know, uh, computing generation. We have several introduction to Python courses. Uh, we, have, we have a terrific course from Georgia Tech. Uh, we have uh, a terrific course um, on Python from MIT, which is followed by an MIT course on Python for uh, data science. And so uh, we also have a course, very introductory course, perfect for uh, even uh, uh, maybe elementary school or middle schoolers on uh, scratch programming. So uh, these are all the kinds of courses that uh, you can go and learn online uh, for free. Sit tight, podcast listeners. We're taking a quick break to hear a word from our sponsors. Programming languages come and go, frameworks come and go. The one constant is your openness and ability to take on new information and use that to tackle the problem at hand. I learned how to learn again. Um, I learned how to be really comfortable with something that's brand new and say, I don't know what I'm doing, but let's read about it, let's tinker with it, let's figure it out. There's a bunch of stuff that I want to do and learn. Um, and and, and I, I flat iron school taught me that I can get there. Being a lifelong learner, the most important first step to being a successful programmer for your whole career. Flatirons will essentially prepare me to handle everything. Get $500 off your first month by visiting flatironbootcampprep.com. Does your current job bum you out? Are you learning to code on your own and find yourself getting stuck? With Launch Academy's Boston and Philadelphia-based coding boot camps, you'll learn all the skills you need to launch your career in programming and software engineering in just 10 weeks. With a cutting-edge JavaScript curriculum that evolves every cohort to teach students the most current in-demand skills, it's the quickest route to becoming a software developer. Thanks to their eight-week prep program and a lifetime of postgraduate support, Launch Academy makes sure you get the job you want by continuing to teach you job prep skills after you graduate. That's why over 90% of Launch Academy graduate job seekers secure jobs as software engineers. Get started by attending an open house, a free Learn to Code event, or scheduling a one-on-one -on -one video interview. Make sure to ask about special offers for Learn to Code with me listeners during your admissions interview. Find out more at launchacademy.com. Awesome. And out of curiosity, I hope you don't mind sharing, um, what is your daughter studying next year? So my daughter will be uh, you know, going to college, and uh, she's going in undeclared. Uh, uh, but she has a broad set of interests. Uh, she enjoys uh, uh, writing a lot. Uh, she, she enjoys uh, uh, a theater. Uh, she's taken, uh, you know, she's done... Uh, 
but she's my daughter after all, and so uh, <laughs> she's done uh, a lot of math uh, and computer science uh, courses. She did uh, uh, she did Girls Who Code uh, a year ago. Uh, uh, you know, I'm just a huge fan of the Girls Who Code organization. Um, so uh, she's got a broad set of interests. Um, so uh, I think she wants to combine something in uh, involving both writing and uh, design, uh, coding perhaps. All right, awesome. I just was curious because I um, I didn't even realize when I asked the question that you are in a very relevant position since you have a daughter going to college next year. So that's pretty cool. And I just was wondering about that. And I, I went to college undeclared as well. I think I think that's pretty common. So she's definitely in a good company. <laughs> and, uh, absolutely fantastic. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right. So to me, when I'm looking at you and I, it seems like I mean, you basically have two jobs, right? You're a professor at MIT, and then you're also the CEO of edX. So I was curious, what is your day-to-day like? Um, how does it the, it split between the two? Um, yeah, just, just can you, if you could elaborate on that, that'd be awesome. Well, just to be clear, uh, I'm a professor at MIT, uh, but uh, MIT has uh, very kindly uh, given me a leave of absence uh, that enables me to uh, devote uh, uh, 150% of my time uh, related to uh, edX and increasing access to education for people all over the world. Okay, so a misunderstanding on my end. So it's 100%, or as you said, 150% edX um, for the time being. Absolutely, absolutely. And and I'm happy to share, you know, what I what my day looks like, but I just want to be clear, uh, it's uh, largely focused on edX. And so a question kind of related to that. When you first started edX, were you teaching at MIT as well? Was there ever a time that you were doing both at the same time? Oh, yes. Uh, 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 it was one of the crazier periods of my life. Uh, this was in the fall of uh, uh, 2011 and the spring of 2012. Uh, at that time, I was uh, the uh, a director of the uh, computer science and AI lab at MIT, MIT's biggest lab. And uh, I was also... Uh, teaching a campus course on circuits along with my colleagues. And I also had a pretty large uh, research group. Uh, and so, uh, oh, and, and I forgot, and we were incubating edX in the basement of uh, uh, the, the computer science and AI lab building. Uh, and so it like a startup company. And so uh, uh, so that was quite a uh, one of the more fun periods of my life. Oh, man. Yeah, I can only imagine. I mean, geez, that sounds like a lot on your plate with all that. And my team... Alone, and then not to mention um, everything going on at edX as well. Absolutely, but uh, but it was uh, just an incredible time uh, where you know, but, but pretty much all entrepreneurs who create a startup are in a similar situation where they have their day job and uh, and then they want to start a company, and so they have a night job and uh, they have to somehow uh, give their full focus to the day job, and uh, they have a night job where they're creating a new company. And uh, and that was the same with uh, same with edX. So you were doing that, you said, for the fall of 2011, and then the spring of 2012, and then Correct. after that, you uh, put full attention on edX. Exactly. So after that, uh, uh, you know, it's funny. Uh, uh, not many people know this, but uh, um, in the fall of 2011 and the spring of 2012, uh, uh, we were actually conducting a search for a CEO of edX. And uh, uh, the plan was uh, for us from MIT and Harvard to launch it and uh, find a CEO. And uh, But along the way, um, uh, you know, my colleagues and others felt that uh, my heart was really 
uh, into edX and so uh, they graciously allowed me to step down from my director position at CSAIL and uh, and step back from my research activities and so on which was really heartbreaking because I really enjoyed research with all my students at a large research group um, and also enjoyed the, my colleagues and the work I was doing at, as a director of the lab uh, but uh, but uh, uh, you know uh, they were gracious enough to uh, uh, to encourage me to go to edX full time, and, and which is why uh, you know I took over as uh, the CEO of edX, uh, and we stopped the search for a CEO. Oh wow, a little fun fact there. That's that's awesome. Thank you though for sharing that. Yeah, I had no idea, and it obviously been a good fit because it's been what like five years later um, since the spring of 2012. And oh, I've I've absolutely had a uh, had a total blast doing this, and so uh, I mean, hopefully my colleagues uh, at edX uh, feel the same way, but I've certainly <laughs> had a blast. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. So. Okay, so you, so you start at Exit, obviously a very small group of, of colleagues. How big is the company today? And if you could just talk a bit about how it's grown and how it's evolved, I would love that. Sure. Um, so we started incubating C, uh, edX in the basement of uh, the CSAIL. Uh, CSAIL is a computer science and AI lab. It's a, uh, it's a short form of that. Uh, when we started in the basement of CSAIL, uh, there was, uh, you know, I, I pulled in uh, one or two people initially, and uh, um, some of the team members, uh, such as David Ormsby and uh, and uh, Kale Pennington and others, are uh, still at edX. They were the first two or three people that we pulled into uh, edX in the fall of 2011. Um, and then uh, since that time, um, after Harvard and MIT came together, uh, we've now grown to 130 university partners uh, today, six years later. Uh, we have uh, 12 million uh, learners, registered learners from every single country in the world. Um, we have 1,500 courses, uh, but close to 40 micromasters, uh, and 15 professional certificate programs on edX. Um, we are uh, still a small startup in Kendall Square. Uh, uh, we are about 170 people. Oh, wow, 170 people. And of course, well, I know Kendall Square because I used to live in Boston. That's right by MIT still. Yes, it's uh, it's a few blocks from MIT. And, uh, you know, Kendall Square uh, is the heart of uh, uh, startup country in the Northeast. And, uh, and it's just a fantastic you know, fantastic, fantastic place place to be. Uh, you know, uh, uh, <laughs> you know. There's uh, a lot of startup companies in the area, like uh, uh, you know, uh, Carbonite and you know, Google and and uh, uh, Twitter and and just a lot of biotech and and high tech industry all in the vicinity. So it's uh, just an incredibly energizing place to be. Yeah, awesome. And you mentioned that you have 12 million learners now from around the world. I was wondering, what is the breakdown of those, um, like looking at different countries and regions? Uh, of course, you guys are based in Boston inside the U.S. Are most of the people taking courses from the U.S.? Is there another country or, or several where there are um, a really large representation? I'm just curious to know about that. Um, we have learners from uh, uh, every single country in the world, uh, depending on your definition. Uh, you know, one definition is that 228 countries, and so we have learners from 228 countries. Um, we have uh, about 30% of our learners are from the United States. Um, the remaining 70% are international. Uh, the second largest country is India, uh, where we have about uh, about 10% uh, of our learners uh, coming from. And then we have uh, uh, about... Uh, uh, you know, several countries where we have about three to four percent of learners, such as uh, UK, China, Mexico, Brazil, uh, Colombia, 
a number of countries that are in the uh, you know three to four percent range from uh, all over the world. Uh, we have uh, uh, we've just launched a uh, a Spanish site. Uh, so if you go to edX.org/es, uh, that's a Spanish language site where uh, uh, people can uh, search for courses and and interact with a front end in Spanish. Uh, our platform is internationalized so that uh, we have courses in many languages. Uh, and uh, as a learner, you can select your language and uh, the interaction with our platform will, you know, uh, be in that language. And we have courses in, uh, in uh, you know, Chinese, Spanish, uh, English, of course, uh, Hindi, uh, uh, a number of languages, uh, Arabic so uh, so uh, quite a few languages. Awesome. And you pretty much answered the question I was going to ask afterwards. I was ask, going to ask about localization and how you guys have been tackling that and whether or not you had courses available in other, language, in other languages. And you did mention that you did. Um, you have the Spanish site. Uh, you, you have the ability for people to like choose a language, I, th- I think is what you said, when they're, when they're going in to pick like, which to learn from. So that is all really awesome. Um, so looking ahead, what are some of your future plans for edX? So uh, so we have uh, we can think about many many dimensions. Um, certainly uh, uh, you know when we uh, when we started edX, you know our goal was to make education accessible to everybody around the world with a uh, internet connection and a will to learn. Um, about four years ago, we made our platform software open source so that uh, uh, even if uh, a partner could not join edX, uh, they could use our software and launch a site themselves. It's called Open edX. And today, there are 800 Open edX sites. And in addition to the 12 million learners on edX, there's another 12 million learners on the Open edX sites, uh, leading to you know, 24 million learners learning on uh, our platform. Many countries are using Open edX. Uh, the ministries of education of uh, countries like Israel and France and Russia and China, uh, you know, are all using uh, open edX platforms. So for us, a big part of our future is to continue to increase access to education. And uh, from between edX and open edX, from 24 million of learners, uh, we want to uh, go to hundreds of millions of learners. Uh, I want to keep increasing the numbers of people that can have access to it. That's in terms of numbers. Um, we also want to offer true pathways to real careers to people. And so we launched a uh, the MicroMasters programs and professional certificate programs. Um, and we're also looking in that dimension of uh, credentials. Uh, we've launched a stacked degree program. So we launched a stacked degree program with Georgia Tech. It's a cool concept. Um, so today you can go and do a, a campus master's degree. But here, imagine you can do a uh, a uh, micromasters in data analytics on edX, and then if you want to continue on for a full masters from Georgia Tech on edX, you can do it fully online. Um, uh, and so you can get a small credential like the micromasters, or you can continue for a full masters degree. It's called a stacked degree program, and you can do the whole degree program for under ten thousand dollars. So, so we want to continue to 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 innovate in uh, in credentials and uh, opportunities for people. Uh, the other big thrust would be uh, to improve the quality of education. Uh, we are constantly experimenting with new techniques and approaches uh, to, uh, to improve the learner experience, uh, both in terms of uh, how well they're learning, but also in terms of uh, 
their engagement uh, and, and also and also improve uh, the integrity of these programs so that uh, uh, universities become very comfortable offering you know uh, entire degrees from the top universities completely online and also using uh, the same courses and programs uh, to enable the campus students to learn from them so so we have uh, just an incredibly ambitious agenda uh, you know to summarize we want to increase access to learners all over the world uh, second, uh, we want to uh, in- improve the quality of education and integrity of online education as well in a big way. Uh, and then third, we want to create novel new credentials that will offer uh, new pathways to learner, uh, learners uh, so that they can become continuous learners uh, throughout life. I think education should not stop when you've just completed college, but we want to create a world where learners can keep learning, uh, em- employees can keep learning throughout life. Uh, you know, new jobs are popping up in new areas and old areas are oftentimes uh, uh, becoming outdated. And so, uh, you know, there's millions of jobs available in data science alone. And the word data science wasn't coined uh, until, uh, you know, uh, uh, eight or nine years ago. So, so, so people will need to become continuous learners. And so we want to engender a world where people become continuous learners and uh, we want to uh, help create that. Awesome. Thank you so much, Anant, again, for coming on and sharing all of your wisdom. And I'm super excited to see where edX heads in the coming years. Lastly, where can people find you online? Um, I think if you Google my name, Anant Agarwal, you'll find uh, 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 a lot of information about me. Uh, uh, you know, a specific, uh, a specific access would be my Twitter handle, which is... Uh, at Agarwal Edu, so that's at A-G-A-R-W-A-L-E-D-U. Awesome, and we'll definitely include uh, your Twitter handle and all the other resources that you shared in the episode show notes. Thanks again for coming on. Oh, my pleasure, Lawrence. Thank you very much. I hope you enjoyed our conversation. Again, the show notes for this episode can be found at learntocodewith.me forward slash podcast. If you're listening to this episode in the future, simply click the search icon in the upper navigation and type in Anant's name. That's A-N-A-N-T. And if Anant has inspired you to take online courses through edX, head over to learntocodewith.me forward slash edX to see what the platform has to offer. Thank you so much for tuning in and I'll see you next week.